0: If sexual attraction seems broken, can it be repaired? What can you do if your sex life is dying? And how can you move beyond nagging or complaining in order to get what you want? Shayna James has a new book called Honest Sex, a passionate path to deepen connection and keep relationships alive. Today, we talk about what really opens the doors to have more frequent and better sex. Turns out, It's not about being jacked or having the right wardrobe or being more, quote, masculine, whatever the hell that means. Okay, I have a lot of things I wanted to get to with you, Um, and I'm also open to where this goes. Um, But the, the main thing I wanted to get to was how many men that I talked to, and I'm sure that you talked to as well, where it's, it seems like it's a given for them that sex is going to become less frequent and mm-hmm. less satisfying as mm-hmm. they get older. Yeah. And really when it, it might have a lot more to do with their, uh, the quality of the interactions they're having with their partner. A lot of the guys that, that, I, that I hear complaining about sex or the lack of sex that they're having or like, oh, when I want sex, then I'm suddenly nice or I suddenly start to pay attention to my partner or right. there's a, there's just this real, there's a, it's a common thing for them to be kind of nasty or sarcastic or whatever with each other. And and so there's this whole dynamic there. And then it, it for me, it's just like, well, of course you're not going to have a vital no. sex life. So your book really hits this on the head because as I, I was talking to you before we started recording that there's no way Alison and I are going to be intimate if there's, some thing in between us that we haven't, that we haven't gotten to yet. And yet I know so many couples have a lot of, they've got a a lot lot of things in between. (laughs) Yeah. So it's just like, well, yes. So anyway, could we start there? Cause that's the big one. And that's what I would love for the listener to take away today is like, if, if sex is dying, it's not about, oh, how do I, how do I be more sexy or more, masculine or all of that stuff. It's, it's more in these interactions. and, And as you point out in the book, it's more about being honest. So, all right. Yeah. You cool with that?
1: Yes. And I love the, you know, that sense of, okay, if somebody's, when you want sex, if suddenly you're changing your way of being to be nicer or more connected or more loving or even trying to be somehow more masculine. It's like, okay, wait, we're missing the point here that if it's not an ongoing dynamic of connection and care and love and play and hotness and all of that, then we got to go back to the foundations, right? We can't just start in that moment. We've got to look at what are the dynamics in the relationship as a whole And are we, you know, understanding and understood or loving and feeling loved? Because that is the foundation of that heat and that passion.
0: Okay. So what you just named there was like, if I want sex, then I put on an act. I play this role to be, to get something from my partner. Yeah. And she might feel that she's, to be the good wife, she needs to, you know, go along with that.
1: But
0: sounds really hot <laughs> 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 it sounds fucking uh. like sad okay and then there's the <laughs> yeah. but you're saying that there's another dynamic here so it's about honesty so why is it about honesty because i could imagine mm-hmm. it's like well I, i'd say what's on my mind with my partner i let her right. know this or i let her know that so what do you mean about honesty and you, and you say this in the book that honesty needs an upgrade so let's just yes. start here with what, what are you talking about when you say honesty
1: Yeah. Okay. So uh, the upgraded honesty that I talk about, or I call it a kind of more mature kind of honesty is not just a say it like it is, you know, but that's my truth with a tone of resentment or frustration or irritation. It's like, all right, let's go deeper and let's go into the underbelly of what's really going on here for me. So if I'm frustrated with you or I don't like the way you do something then there's something actually for me that is more vulnerable in that. So if I don't like that you are nagging me, what's more vulnerable for me? in that is, you know, I don't feel trusted maybe, or I don't feel appreciated for what I'm already doing for you. So as we start to get into that kind of honesty with our partners, which, you know, I mean, you've been doing this for a long time, that can take some support from a coach or a therapist or someone else uh, to do it in a way that actually works or feels effective. But once we start getting into those deeper conversations, then there's more intimacy, right? Then there's a sense of, oh, okay. So if, if you don't feel appreciated, let's collaborate. Let's together figure out how do we both feel appreciated? How do we feel you know, loved, right? In whatever, there's different love languages, there's different ways that we feel loved. But as we're having that depth of conversation, what I'm finding in my life and with my clients is that the, the passion starts to burn again. And it's more of a, an ongoing burn instead of a like sporadic, you know, it fits and starts.
0: Okay. So, a lot, of a, a lot of us are thinking, oh, the, the passion's gone. We must need to go away for the weekend and buy some lingerie and, right. uh, you know, whatever that is. But really it's this dynamic and starting to really be clear about what's going on for us. But that sounds really dangerous. That sounds yes. because yes. it may not feel safe to really be transparent about what I'm really thinking. Yeah. Uh, either. I don't want to, I don't want to reveal that about, I don't want to reveal that to myself. And I, yes. I, I. there's the chance that if I bring it up with my partner, they're not going to be okay with it. It's just going to cause more of a problem. So yeah. that's really common. How, how do we navigate this honesty without it creating more of a problem?
1: Yeah. This is what I always find interesting, especially about men that they're like, I'll go jump out of a helicopter and ski down a mountain. <laughs> but saying to my partner, I'd like to have more sex or I want a different kind of intimacy between us. Right. Feels so terrifying. So, I mean, that's one of the reasons I practice with men having those conversations, right? Like in my coaching, I call it human practice because we get to workshop it a little bit so that if it's like, I can't get the words out of my mouth because I feel shame or I'm worried about what she's going to think. There's an internal dynamic happening then. Something's wrong with this desire or I don't trust myself with this desire, right? So there's, again, there's there are all these deeper layers. So one way, you know, would be to practice with someone like you or someone like me and have those conversations and get into the underbelly of why do we feel ashamed? Or why do we feel like something isn't okay about this? Because my view is that our denier, our desires are innately good, And if we don't think that there's something going on in our internal sense of self, right? Um, I think the other part is to have a conversation about conversations in the relationship where it's like, hey, I notice we haven't really been talking a lot about what you want, what I want, you know, our, how do we keep our relationship alive and I'm wondering, like starting slowly and stepping in, what would it be like to have those conversations together? And I know this is what I feel scared of. And what do you feel scared of? And what's our commitment to each other? How do we want to treat each other as we're having these conversations? What do we want to do when things get scary? So I think, you know, both of those things, setting things up so that before we just launch into a conversation that we're terrified to have, we've got some foundation
0: this is pretty high level right now could we zoom in and can you give us some examples of some of that role player that coaching that you've done or that practice as you call it what what does that look like for the guy that is like i I really love my wife Mm -hmm. i would just want to have more sex with her it's not happening and if i try to bring it up i feel guilty or she gets upset or whatever it's kind of a non-starter there so yeah Yeah. how what what kind of things show up in the back and forth that you have with clients.
1: Yeah. So I might say, okay, tell me how you've approached her. Tell me what you've said, you know, and he said something either to the effect of, I want more sex or we're not having a lot of sex and, you know, I don't really like it or bringing, you know, some kind of complaint, which in the book I talk about how every complaint reveals a desire. So first of all, if you're starting with a complaint, just know that it's likely to be received less well than if you're starting with the desire you're being diplomatic Um, yeah and then also context of you know anytime you bring a desire to a partner especially a sexual desire that feels vulnerable most people i know their first thought as the receiver is oh shit, what's wrong what did i do i'm not hot enough i'm not good enough this person you know doesn't want me anymore and so there's this aspect of context of, okay, so why are you wanting this? What are you wanting? So oftentimes, for example, like with a man who comes to me and says, okay, this is what I said. You know, I said, I want to have more sex. And I'm like, okay, let's let's break this down a little bit, right? Like, what is it that you want for you? And what is it that you want for her? Oh, well, I guess I want us to feel more pleasure. I want us to you know, I don't know. Like a lot of times there's an, I don't know at first. And so we start to get into, all right, you know, what is it about pleasure? What do you think that would, that would do for you in your life? Well, I think we'd be more relaxed. I think we'd, you know, I think she might stop feeling so anxious about all the tasks and all the things that need to get done. And, you know, before there was a lens of looking at her anxiety or her you know, nagging and stuff with a resentment or frustration. Now it's like, oh, okay. If you start to have more compassion, you might be able to say to her, I notice that you seem, you know, like all the tasks and all the management, the things that need to do for the kids, like those seem really hard. And I would love for us to have more pleasure and more time in our days where we're actually enjoying ourselves. And I think sex could be a part of that. And I want to know what is it that you really want. And I want to know more about what I want. And I want to know, you know, we haven't talked about this in 10 years, but when I touch you, like, does it actually feel good to you or not? So we get into some of those more nitty gritty and then support him to, first of all, like I said, like if there's shame in any part of it, it's not like you can't bring that to your wife or partner with shame. But if you do, you're more likely to kind of just back down, if she's like, uh, ah, you know, forget it. I don't want that. Or there's some kind of concern she has, then you'd be more likely to be like, oh, okay, sorry. I didn't mean to rock the boat rather than, all right. Yeah. Tell me about it. I want to, I want to hear more. I want this to be a dialogue, you know? So you can t- tell me to go more specific in any of these parts too. because Okay. Uh-
0: So the first part is to, I love that you said, Hey, I noticed that we're in this place that life is this way. And I see where it seems this way for you, anxious, busy, distracted, whatever's going on for you. And I wonder, I would like more pleasure. How about you? What would pleasure look like for you? Okay. Yeah. And then.
1: Right. So you just said, right. We're naming what is like, cause that is often overlooked, right? Or it's not in the, it's not in the conversation yet. We're just kind of living it, but we haven't said it to each other. And then, right from there, I think there's more of the speaking. Okay, here's what I see as possible, or can we talk about what else could be possible?
0: Right. So I, I notice that sometimes I, this happens in my relationship, where I can name something, and wherever she is in that place, she might get defensive. Like yeah. immediately, whatever her it's kind of hits. Everybody's got a minefield, and in one of her minds, is it's on it's all on me. If you're not yeah. happy, yeah. So it's well, I'm already too busy. I can't can't take on one. It's like, okay, great. And I have to really practice curiosity there instead of, no, you're missing it and and wanting to defend, entangled in that and defend and justify and explain. But that does come up as there is a sense of defensiveness right off the bat. Even if we're trying to stand shoulder to shoulder. So if she gets defensive, Mm -hmm. just bringing this up is threatening. She has her own feelings of not being an adequate or whatever it is. Um, what can our guy do if she gets defensive and, and just feels threatened by the conversation period?
1: I mean, again, naming it is one of the first steps. Like, okay, seems like me bringing this up is hard for you. Or it seems like there's something important that you want me to understand or right. Again, this is, you know, these are hard, they're not easy conversations if you've never had them. But if you, again, if you have practiced or you are feeling innately good about your desires, then instead of getting caught in your defense to her defense and going back and forth with all the defenses, there is that deeper place in you that would say, oh, okay, there's something going on here that she needs me to hear. And instead of the fear of if I hear this that means we're never and we're not having sex we're just having more of these conversations we have to process it's like oh no this actually is the doorway this is the doorway to having more and better sex is if I can start to listen to her right I can listen to her concerns I can start to listen and pay attention to her body language I can the more I start to pay attention to the subtleties without getting stuck in defensiveness the closer we become Now that is not easy, right? I have a practice, I don't think I talked about this practice in the book, but I started naming it for myself, called (laughs) riding the dragon. I can't remember if I've said this to you before, but like sometimes I envision when I start to feel like I am going to breathe fire, like (laughs) I'm gonna explode. I imagine myself riding this little dragon inside my chest. I don't know how this happened to me, but it's really weird, but like probably psychedelics or something. But like I start pulling back on the reins and I basically, and this is one of the things that has allowed me, I think, to relate in a much more evolved way is like, I just shut up until I feel like I've, and this is a part of the book too, like I've, I've connected with, or I've, I'm coming from this part of myself that actually could move a conversation forward as opposed to devolve into broken trust and explosion and attack and all of those things, because it just doesn't serve. So there's this way where, okay, if you're tempted to defend yourself, what I would say is take a breath. Don't have the rest of the conversation until you get back to your mature brain, right? Your adult brain, as opposed to the one that wants to throw a temper tantrum and wants to have a hissy fit and wants to be like, well, it was you and not me. And this is your fault, not my fault right? Like we all have that. There's, I'm not, you know, blaming you for having it, me for having it. But a big part of the book is if you're speaking from there, you're not going to have the kind of sex you want to have.
0: Yeah. I can imagine listening to our conversation right now. Yeah. And if I'm with somebody and I don't feel like we're on the same team, Yeah, and I don't feel like we have a shared vision that we're co-creating together, then this sounds crazy.
1: Yeah. Right. Therefore you've got to, you've got to then get to the, there is a foundational work of how do we get to be on the same team? How do we create a shared vision? Right. Which means that would be the first conversation instead of we got to talk about our sex life. Right. Or we could talk about both at the same time, but you're right. Ultimately, if, if we're Attacking each other, blaming, shaming each other, like that's what needs to be addressed first,
0: yeah, because even if i'm my partner and I are, are on the same team and we have a shared vision that we're that we're working towards. yeah, we still get activated. Yes, I mean, life happens, and that landmine gets stepped on, and then, okay, but I come back to center much faster when it's like, oh right, uh, present moment she's my ride or die. Like we're in this together. Like I know she has my back and I have her back. Okay. I can, I, I'm back. I'm in right. this. And that was the past or that was something else that I got activated by, but now I can come back here. But if I don't really have that to begin with, right. with my partner, then I yeah, am Yeah, If you don't know that
1: she has your back, Right. then it just spirals down.
0: Okay, I want I want to connect this because you, you brought it up. It was in the you had a, a beautiful list of, of these kind of foundational pieces, and it was mm-hmm. the same team thing was was in there. And to me, it's like it's such a big deal because if I really think of my my partner not as my partner but as my mother or an authority figure or this, you did talk about the zero sum aspect of relationship where okay, if I got something, then you were denied something, and now we have to pay each other back in this way right. when this zero sum. Fucking weirdo thing. Yeah. Um, sad, again. Um, but the, that coming back and it, we really do need to start from this place. Yeah. And so if I'm not getting the sex that I want, I want to just kind of thread this all together, then mm-hmm. it may not be about wearing better cologne or different shirt or losing 10 pounds or even being nicer in the kitchen and helping out with the dishes. It may be about hey, let's get on the same same page Page. here make sure that we really get that we're on the same team and that we do support each other and do love each other in that way. Cause then when we hit the bumps in the road, it's like, okay, I know that this person is really not working against me and and trying to sabotage my life, et cetera. Right.
1: Right. And this is not the easy path. You know, this is, again, this is, we're going to actually start to then talk about, oh, this is where my feelings got hurt. This is where you felt disappointed in me. Right. Some of those things are then going to be revealed. And again, if we're, if we have that foundation of, I know I'm good innately and I'm going to mess up. I'm going to be human. I'm going to have my faults. I'm going to have places where I fall short. So I can hear when she says something like that, like, oh, okay you know, this is something that has been happening for 10 years, you interrupt me or you talk over me. And if I don't go down the shame spiral of, oh, fuck, I'm a horrible person, I could hear that and be like, okay, that stings. And I want to defend against it. And I want to, you know, attack back and be like, well, you talk a lot. And I sometimes can't even stand that you just, you know, you don't even think I'm here and you just keep talking at me like, okay, we can go through all those things and they can stay in our head. Yeah, And then we can breathe and be like, okay, let me look at that. Right. Let me look at how, how can my partner feel more respected and more heard. And even if I think there's something she's doing over there, right. That can be another part of the conversation, but we've got to hear each other in order to feel loved. I mean, one of my favorite parts or one of my favorite perspectives in the book is the assume the best and then get curious as opposed to assume the worst. I mean that has radically changed my life. So if we're assuming the worst about a partner like you're doing that on purpose, you know, you're trying to get me, all of those negative assumptions. Again, you know, our partners kind of we we co-create how we respond to each other. It's not just we can take 100% responsibility for how we're responding, but we also can look at the fact that how we respond to someone creates how they respond to us. So, um, you know, it's important to start looking at, okay, am I assuming the worst and then trying to poke at my partner or what if I would assume the best, like you said, okay, she's my ride or die. Woo. You know, we love each other here and something didn't go well. So I want to, I want to understand this, like, I want to understand why you came home late or you didn't come home last night and we didn't, you know, you didn't even call or like, help me understand what happened here so that we can actually be connected instead of, you know, we're distant or roommates or just kind of going along with this relationship.
0: Do you think it's possible for folks that, uh, for couples that have maybe never established this found these foundational pieces and they've got maybe they've got a lot of wounding you know and a lot of issues around trust and so they're in this transactional relationship and it it is not it's not transparent there's a lot yeah. of things being withheld whether it's my desire what I'm wanting or uh, I'm going to keep things away from you because I'm afraid you're going to get upset with me or, or whatever mm-hmm. it is. There's just a, a just a real lack of, of transparency and honesty. Is it, have you seen things change or is it just like, well, that was that was kind of set in the concrete that way and it's, it's kind of done.
1: I've seen things change. I don't want to say for the better or for the worse because it's I've seen things change and either couples recreate dynamics or I've seen points where it seems like couples are entrenched in a specific dynamic and it's not feeling fulfilling for either person. And so then, you know, they move on or they separate. Like, I don't have it that everybody has to stay together if it really isn't working, but I have seen some couples really transform and start to speak to each other in more respectful ways and start to get on the same team and start to have more, you know, and then it's like a, a second honeymoon phase or a deeper sense of, oh, we're really, um, you know, we can transform together. It doesn't have to always happen separately, but I would suggest getting some help, right? Especially if you start to engage in some of these initial conversations and they don't go well, then I think getting some help is, you know, there's no, there's no shame in that.
0: Yeah. And I'm wondering, you know, it's kind of, on, on one end of the spectrum, it's, Hey, we're on the same page. Let's go, let's work on this together. Mm-hmm. And then there's, there's, we're just not on the same page. We're philosophically misaligned yeah. where it's just like you even wanting for us to see a therapist or a coach is right. is totally. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's unreasonable. So that's off the, off the books. And then there's, there's kind of like how much conflict is healthy, and good mm-hmm. for growth. And then mm-hmm. how much of it means we're just not a fit. Mm-hmm. Like, we're just like, wow, we're constantly having to process and work through things. Do you have a sense of that? I have a sense of it. I'm curious what your sense is.
1: Well, I'm curious what your sense of it is too. I mean, I don't know. One thing I know is that I didn't use to process in ways that actually worked and that were... Effective. So I would get stuck when I was married. I would get stuck in these loops. I mean, Alison was even there for one of our loops and pointed a couple things out, you know, that I still remember her saying, where I would kind of go into this spin and I would make myself wrong. And then nothing that was actually there would get processed, right? Would get resolved. And so, you know, there are ways to process that, um, or, or ways that couples engage in fights or conflict that don't really work and don't really resolve and heal. And so sometimes that's the case where it's like, oh, if you had some training or some support, some of this would actually get resolved. Um, But I think, right, if there's a fundamental sense of, oh, I want to grow and you don't want to grow, or I want to start to explore some of this and you are really, you know, feeling more, I don't want to say rigid because that's a a little bit of a judgmental word, but like you're feeling like you want to keep things exactly the way they are. You know it may be a point of difference um yeah i'm curious about your sense of that conflict piece of how much conflict is too much
0: well i agree that the, on the philosophical level this is just my this is a personal thing for me so I, nothing's impossible to change around but on on the philosophical thing like we really just can't get to a place where we see eye to eye that we're here to support one another we're mm-hmm. here to even if it means getting out of the way sometimes. I often say that for many people, the purpose of their relationship is to just be comfortable
1: yeah,
0: and to just feel safe and to just feel accepted. So it's essentially like, cool, we got married, we put the pictures up on the wall and now it's sleepwalk. We're yeah. just gonna sleepwalk the, the years out. We're not gonna change anything. Yeah. And, and for
1: some people, maybe that feels okay.
0: That might work for them, right? Yeah. And then, but another side of it is, is, hey, if I'm growing, as an individual, I'm learning new things is my partner, they don't have to be shoulder to shoulder with me on that growth path, but they're at least supportive. They yeah. under their understanding instead of threatened by it, uh, you know, like I no. need to shut it down and what are you doing? And that, that, that kind of uh, my partner's in a fixed mindset and I'm in a growth mindset, that's right. really tough. Yeah, And I would say Great. that f- for others that it's kind of like owning a house and the sense that you can buy a fixer upper
1: Mm -hmm.
0: knowing that your weekends and your evenings are going to be spent fixing this thing Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. and
0: there's shit always breaking. Yeah. But it's part of the joy of owning a fixer upper is that you're rediscovering things and you're tearing things down to the floors and the, 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 you know, to the bones and you're just trying to build things up and add to it. But it is this, my life is this project now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think, for others, it's like, Hey, I want my relationship to support me in what I'm here to experience in life. Yeah. So there will be time just like in any other house that I need to maintain. And we need to actually we got to stay on it. There's things that you you don't you don't go to sleep on it. But my house is here to support me and, and provide shelter so that I can go out into the world and do amazing things with my life. And yeah. I think it's I think I think we have to choose that because I think for some people, the way that they get their connection needs met is through this processing and fixing. And they'll yeah. tear down a wall just so they have something else to fix.
1: Yeah. Well, and you right, you said before um someone has to be supportive or, you know, not saying to shut it down, right? If someone else is in a growth mindset. But I think for some people, like for me, if someone's not willing to engage, even beyond supportive, if you're not willing to engage in some of these things that the ways that I want to grow and the experiences that I want to have, then for me it isn't it isn't going to work, right? So I think we all have our own way and and what we want. So I think then we need to ask ourselves, well, what's most important to me? If what's most important to me is growth and experiencing the range of humanity and sensuality and sexuality and emotionality and all of this stuff, but my partner is in more of a fixed mindset, then the likelihood is we're not going to be... Be together.
0: Yeah.
1: And you know,
0: and no one needs I, to be bad there or no, wrong.
1: Nobody needs to be bad. I mean, my ex-husband and I still have conversations about what you know how how much better we are as co-parents than we were as husband and wife. Yeah. And And we have an amazing, my dad just said to me the other day, he's like, I often talk about your relationship with your, you know, with your ex-husband and people are amazed that you still have holidays together and you travel together sometimes and you move to a different city together. And like, right. But part of that is because we've actually been willing to have these conversations and we've been willing to, even in the co-parenting divorce, say, I want to support this person. Even if it's not what, even if what they want is not what I want, like I want the best for him. I want the best for her. You know, there's, there's a kind of loving beyond what can I get out of this? Mm -hmm. And, and I think, you know, if you have a foundation of friendship and relationship, like how do we treat our friends? We want the best for our friends. We want them to grow. We want them to have what they want. And then sometimes we get into these romantic relationship dynamics where it's like we get scared, right? Well, if you grow, then you might leave me. Or if I grow, then I'm not going to want you. And so, this is a riskier path in a way. Yeah. To to not sleepwalk. But I think you and I both are the type of people who were like, sleepwalking is fucking, you know, devastating. It just it feels so dead. So yeah. yeah. And for, again, for some people, if they're just walking through life and that actually seems like the way they want to do it, that's fine. But I think you and I often speak to the people who are like, Ooh, something's rubbing me the wrong way here. And how do I? Change this deepen this, grow this.
0: Okay, I want to come back to something about uh, you and your your ex-husband and um, something you mentioned in the book because it's it's beautiful and how it relates to what you call self-revealing mm-hmm. in, in a minute and um but something I want to I can I can imagine because i I screwed this up big time in the relationship that I was in before I was with Allison, where I was in this growth process. And the person I was with at the time was not, mm-hmm. and was threatened by that process. And I was doing the thing of, kind of essentially just saying, you're not enough, mm-hmm. which is a shit place to be in relationship. And totally. here's, here's another hoop to try and jump through. And here's another bar to try and get over. And it's just like, wow, this is just a shitty dynamic. Yeah. And um, so I can imagine if somebody's listening and they're hearing us talk about, Hey, you're on a, you might be on a growth path and you're, maybe your partner's still leaning towards a fixed one and maybe hasn't really gotten into this place. I would just want to throw out like, Hey, create an invitation instead of That's, an ultimatum.
1: Just going to say, yeah. An yeah invitation. It's like, here's That's what's exciting. possible. Yeah. yeah. Here's what's possible. Here's what I could see. And, and actually involving that person. Here's what I could see for you. Here's what I could see for me. Right. Like, here's what I want for you. And you have to get to that place of actually wanting something for them beyond the resentment and the frustration and the irritation that you might be holding or the baggage you might be holding. Um, But right. Want something for them. Want something for yourself. Want something for your couple, want something for your children through how you're going to then relate to each other.
0: Yeah. So I want to thank you for um, the self-revealing piece because I got, it was needed this morning. I got a good reminder. Um, I was in the kitchen with Allison. And she'd been impacted by something that's been kind of a pattern in her life. And then I I went into my reactivity of wanting to coach her, which is wonderful for relationships. You should really so try good. it sometimes. <laughs> After all these years, I still fall into the trap sometimes. And so, um, and immediately, like, as soon as I caught myself doing it, I was like, fuck. And I came back to, what's really going on here? Oh, mm-hmm. I get really concerned about you when you're in, when I see you like this, I get really concerned and, and worried when um, I see the impact that this has on you, I get yeah. it, And I, I, want, I want you to feel good. And I want you to be okay. And mm-hmm. I want you to, when I say to take better care of yourself, it's cause I just worry about you. And she completely yes. softened and I saw, I was softer too. And then we just, it was like, oh, that's what, it, that's what this was really about. The yes. whole time instead yes. of the, you need to do, 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 do. And, yeah. you know, no sex going to come after that, um, the, the coaching and the nagging piece. So um, anyway, immediately she was like, thank you so much for bringing that because I don't want you nagging me and coaching me and stuff. And so thank you, dear. And, yeah, I love uh, your
1: question. What's this really about?
0: Yeah, when we ask what's this really, what is
1: this really about? And what's it really about for me, not just for the other person over there? Right.
0: <laughs> like, right. So let's, because I want I, this is the thing. I, I, if there's going to be one thing that the listener takes away, I think self-revealing, what you call self-revealing, would be really powerful. So instead mm-hmm. of what should my partner do? Yeah. Bringing it back to, well, I'll let you. I'll let you teach this, and then I want to. I want to ask you about a story, but go ahead.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to think of a good example of. Um, you know, there, there could be times when you feel like you're supposed to do something, whether it's, you know, oh, I'm supposed to have sex right now, or I'm supposed to clean the shed right now, or, you know, this is an expectation that someone has of me. My partner wants this thing. And oftentimes our tendency, if we don't want to do that, or if some, you know, we're not feeling well, or we're feeling pressured or whatever would be to just kind of be resentful or be irritated. or be like, ugh, you know, you're wanting this from me and I'm, you know, frustrated by it. But if we go deeper, it's like, what, what is this really about for me? If I'm not wanting to clean the shed, <laughs> we'll start with that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it may be because I actually need some downtime or I don't feel connected to you. And so then therefore doing these tasks just feels like, ugh, you know, feels like busy work. It feels like I'm your slave. It feels like, you know, um, this is all I'm here for. You're just using me because you want the shed clean and, you know, then, but we don't have any intimacy or connection. So, okay. What this is really about for me is that I'm not feeling loved or appreciated or cared for or connected with. Right. And I know for a man that can be much more vulnerable because you guys have been taught like don't be a pussy. Don't think you need anything. Don't, you know, love connection, whatever, but there are really those needs in there. And I think the older you get, the more you feel that and it can be kind of confusing to be like, Oh, I actually am wanting emotional connection, even though I didn't know that I wanted that before. Yeah. Most of the time
0: when guys tell me that they want more sex, it's like, it's this, they want, they want to be wanted. Yeah. They they know their partner loves them, but they want to be wanted. By their, by the, by the partner. There's a big difference there to have their partner actually be like,
1: I want you.
0: I want you. The kids are gone. Take off your fucking clothes and give it to me. Like they want to be desired in that way. And they'll go to the first person who does want. Well,
1: and that's so interesting. As you say that, I'm like, oh, right. It wouldn't seem like that vulnerability about wanting love or connection or intimacy Like it seems like you got to go over the top or be more masculine or be more, you know, confident. And I think that, you know, it's fine to be masculine whatever ways you want to be. But if you're trying to do it without the vulnerability piece, it gets really dry. I think women, it's a tricky one a little bit because you can go too far, right? You don't want to like fall apart and need her to save you but at the same time most men err on the the way opposite side of the spectrum of I'm not revealing any of my innermost, you know, intimate vulnerable thoughts because I feel scared that this isn't going to work for her. I'm going to be too much, not enough, all those things. So I really do see that when men start to bring in some of that underlying like oh, I want I want you to want me and not just I want you to want me from a whiny place of like why don't you want me, but I want you to want me and I want to build this together and I want to feel that heat again, you know?
0: It doesn't even have to be sexual. It's just that I'm desired as a person to be around instead of the guy you want to clean out the shed and the the one to do the to-do list or yeah, yeah, like you said, like I'm here for something more than to just kind of punch a list.
1: Yeah. And I think like the more women I talk to, the more it seems like. Women can shut, I'm sure this can happen all genders, but I'll just say in this moment, women can shut down when a man is not attuned to her and kind of misses her signs of I'm feeling disappointed or I'm feeling, you know, turned off or I'm feeling turned on or whatever it may be. If there's more of a surface level dynamic, I think women start to shut down and then they get into more of that masculine task oriented mode. So again, for a man to start paying more attention and actually, you know, going from the head to the heart and really taking her into account and starting to be like, what would turn her on right now? Or what would have her feel loved right now? I mean, for a nice guy, he may be considering those things, but doing them from a more heady place. And if we were to evolve that into like more of a, it's not always spiritual for people or like a tantric relationship, but let's say like an interdependent relationship or one that's turned on as well as generous and caring with each other, there's a way that we start to feel into like, oh, if I, you know, come up behind her in a certain way and I just put my arms around her and I wait until her body relaxes, you know, again, it doesn't have to start sexual, but it's like, I'm going to be here with her and I'm going to breathe and I'm going to feel her and I'm going to slow my, you know, slow myself down. Oh, that's what feels good to her. Okay. Then I'm going to keep doing that. Or right. We, we, we got to get a sense of the other person and you can ask questions too. But if we're just trying to get shit done or trying to please someone or, not really attuned to each other, then women start getting much more masculine, task-oriented, naggy, you know. And then it seems like, yeah, it seems it seems like that's where it starts. So there's there's a whole there's a whole dynamic happening there.
0: It's like an armoring. The way you, the way it sounds is like there's not a softness there or an ability to actually penetrate her and yes. matter. And so in then her she world.
1: shuts down and right and armors. Like I guess it's not going to happen. So it's, mm. and it's too vulnerable to ask for. And then they're both not being vulnerable.
0: Yeah. You reminded me, we're off track here where I wanted to go, but the, you reminded <laughs> me of something that I like to tell guys when they're, they're used to doing these types of things transactionally. Yeah. Oh, I'll start to be more attuned when I want sex. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully I'll get sex.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so I'll just take sex off the table. Yeah. And do these things right before you're leaving to go somewhere. So that sex isn't going to happen, like I you know it. that sex isn't going to happen. So take it and off the table. she knows that
1: it's not about you're Confuses just trying to get the sex. the fuck out of them. Yeah, because they're like, wait, time, oh, though.
0: here he comes, here comes, here comes the the dance, and then it's like, yeah, I'm, I gotta go. I'm going to the airport. It's like, what do you what do you mean going to the airport? Like,
1: it's hot. That felt that good. Feels, that that feels was
0: good, right? So, but for the guy too, it's like, oh, I, I'm letting go of this any hope that I'm gonna get laid or any hope that I'm gonna get that kind of thing and just find that curiosity or that place in there like what would connect with her right now and what would soften that place and that way it feels more like a gift or it feels more playful instead of what do I do like you said that heady thing of like what do I do to get her pants off you know that thing
1: (laughs) and you don't have to give up those creepy bits (laughs) so creepy you don't have to give up the desire ultimately that, you know, to have sex. Like no, that's not it. But desire in the, still there. In those moments, you're just, you're letting it go. And you're, you're giving that gift of your attention and your the presence. The hook is gone. Yeah, the, hook the
0: hook of, okay, if I do this right, you'll give me something. Yeah. I'll get yeah. the treat.
1: Okay. Yeah, the treat. That's what I was just thinking too.
0: Self-revealing. Okay. So going from this place of what you, 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 you question or quotation, you, 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 you you're not doing mm-hmm. this to what's mm-hmm. this really about for me?
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and allowing that, like that goes from the nagging into, hey, I, let's just get some examples here. Can you, can you yeah. pull up some examples of some self-revealing and what, what typically shows up as nagging or complaining or whatever it is into what's really going on?
1: Yeah. So the the nagging or complaining of we're not having sex enough, right? If the self-revealing could be like, oh, I'm feeling less excited about life. I'm feeling more depressed. I'm feeling more just like life is feeling more like a drag, you know? And I I want it to feel more enlivening. I want to feel more pleasure. I want to feel more like, I want to feel more wanted by you. It's, it's that one's a little tricky. Cause when we say, I want to feel more wanted by you,
0: it's on people her. can
1: feel right. It's on someone else. So the people can feel pressured. So it might be like, I want us to want each other. I want to, I want to, I wanna, and a sense of like, I want to do what it takes versus I want to just complain about it. Works a lot better. Right.
0: Yeah. There's also some, it also helps, I think to take just a hundred percent responsibility for that desire instead of yeah. putting it on the other person. Yeah, because it it is. I'm in a I'm in a marriage. We don't have It's not okay for me to go have sex outside of this marriage. But so everything bottlenecks through you. Yeah, and yeah. all my aliveness and this excitement, all the things that I'm wanting, are kind of getting hung up with you, and now I have resentment towards you.
1: Yeah, and so I don't want to resent you, right? Like that's another thing too. I, I, instead of resenting you, I want to create something awesome with you. Yeah. I don't want either one of us to be stuck in this, you know, sleepwalking resentment hellhole. Like mm-hmm. there are, there are something else that could happen here. So then there's being, there's being a leader, right. Versus a complainer or a follower of like, I'm just going to go along with this. and just going to settle. Like, no, I want to lead this ship somewhere. I want to, I want to take us somewhere. That's, I find that really hot too.
0: Yeah. It reminds me, I had uh Robert Augustus masters on years ago and he talked about a primary emotion versus secondary emotion. And that secondary emotion is this, the smoke to the fire, right? So you have secondary and the fire is this primary thing. And the secondary emotion is usually anger or frustration or that kind of stuff. So somebody cuts you off in traffic and it's like, you know, that kind of thing. The primary emotion is actually very vulnerable. I got scared.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I really wanted something to happen and now I'm going to be late and I'm, I'm upset about that. Or I, um, you hurt me. You mm-hmm. you hurt me. when you, So we don't hurt. typically yeah. want to deal with, we don't want to say, hey, I'm scared, or, or I hurt. got hurt. Yeah, right. that's a big one. Like, I'm not gonna let you know you hurt me. Right. But yeah, you got hurt. The X, Y, Z didn't happen and it hurt your feelings, or that yeah. was said and it hurt your feelings. So I I maybe I found that really helpful to come back to just what, what was I scared of? Or what did yeah. what how did I get hurt? Or what was I really concerned about? And that that got missed somewhere in there. It just is like, oh, yeah, yeah, if I can address that. Then that's really at the that's at the core of what we're really dealing yeah. with.
1: And to remember that that doesn't make you less masculine. You know, there are these cultural ideas that if you admit to feeling hurt or you admit to feeling scared, you're less of a man. And that's just fucking bullshit. And I know that people have been trained. Men have been trained. So it's not like we say that's bullshit and we just throw it out as it doesn't exist. Like that training or enculturation is there. So it can be scarier. I think that's why I often do the work I do with men. It's like, all right, you know, I'm a safe place to talk about those things that scare you or things that you feel hurt by. And let's look at why in a loving, you know, approving space before you go back to the unknown or to where the stakes are higher in your relationship.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of high stakes, you share a story in the book where when you were married, the two of you, it became apparent that your attraction for one another was waning. Yeah. And so you guys actually talked about it, which sounds like people would rather go to divorce court than acknowledge this. Yeah. I would, can you, yeah. So just walk us through that. Hey, I don't even think you actually said that. I don't think I'm as attractive. Like, okay, please tell us.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, the first thing I think to remember here is that that is human. Like our attraction ebbs and flows for each other. Like if we just get honest about that, that every single one of us, we're not always fucking attracted to our partners. And so it doesn't have to be as big of a a shame hole, right? As it seems like it would. And again, I think there's that inner work of, okay, if I know that I'm good and I I can feel my own attractiveness, which could just be like, I feel alive and I feel good in my body and I appreciate myself, right? Which again, can be hard for many of us. But if I'm coming from that place, then if my partner says, I'm feeling a dip in my attraction to you. You know, again, it might be like, take a deep breath and feel that internal, like, ah, I feel like I'm going to die right now. And I, my, my whole purpose is to be attractive to someone and fuck, this is killing me. But then also to pause and be like, okay, I'm going to feel all the feelings. And then, you know, can we actually talk about this and be real together? Like, well, when did that start? You know, did some, because usually when somebody's attraction wanes, it's not just, a physical thing. Again, we're talking about these deeper layers. So you said a thing I felt totally missed. And then I actually stopped feeling attracted. And for some people, this happens 10 years before and we didn't, you know, acknowledge it. And then we're trying to cover over and get back to it. And for some people it's like, oh, last week when you did this thing and I felt our trust was broken. So, you know, again, acknowledging like Attraction is not mostly physical. I think, you know, there's so much that is built on trust and respect and feeling loved and cared for. And so if we can take it out of that, I'm good. If I'm attractive to someone, I'm bad if I'm not. And I'm, you know, and it's all about how I look and and how, whether someone loves me. Well, that's that's
0: it right it's like if you're not attracted to me you don't love me anymore but it sounds like did you both understand that at the time that attraction was one thing and love and care was another or
1: no we didn't and somehow we had the courage or the insanity to risk having that conversation (laughs) anyway but we discovered that as we went and the more i've dated in my 40s and the more people i've coached the more i see it's like oh, we have this idea of attraction that's very narrow and very shallow. And it puts us in a space of feeling um, really terrified, you know, for those moments that someone doesn't feel attracted to us. And we think it's all about us.
0: Okay. So you, you have this conversation and I can imagine on one end it sounds very healthy. I want to take a stand for, I want to be in a relationship where I'm attracted to my partner and it could just yeah. be like, Hey, so, you know, bye-bye. We're, we're down, we're done. We're out. Mm-hmm. Did it, was this something that you, was it just, Hey, we're going to wade into these waters and trying to figure this out? Or is this, were you going into like, this is the end? How, how are you approaching it?
1: Well, it was a partner. Actually, it was not in my marriage. It was a, it was a relationship that I was in where he brought it to me first mm. and, and he. Was saying that he was kind of struggling with, like, not sure if this relationship should continue because he wasn't feeling the normal attraction that he, you know, felt. It wasn't the body type. He was like, I usually, you know, date women with bigger breasts and wider hips. And, Some part of me when he said that wanted to rip his fucking face off, you know, and just be like, right. That's the the real, like that was in there. I was just like, are you (laughs) fucking kidding me? You asshole. Like you're going to start judging me, blah, 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 blah. Okay. And I, I get that we all have our types and we all have our whatever. And, and for me, uh, it, it did, you know, it hurt at first and then I really came back to like, Oh, I've done a lot of work and it's been hard for me to love my body over the years. And even now I'm still working with different parts of, you know loving my body but something i got in that moment i think was okay he's got this history and the way he you know has related to women and this isn't this isn't all about me and i also got that that hit of all right if we're not supposed if like if this isn't meant to be or if this isn't working for him then it's not going to work for me and yeah that's going to fucking hurt but then we could set each other free, right? It's harder when you're married because there's more of a sense of we are building a life together. We have a home together. We might have kids together. Um, But again, I think if you are married and you hold the context of, I'm less attracted to you than I was before, or after you said this thing, I started to shut down my attraction, right? And not make it an all or nothing thing, recognize that attraction is on a spectrum and it's going to ebb and flow. And so we don't need to make it a catastrophe. Then we could start to look at, all right, when did this start? Or when do you think it, you know, you might not know. When do you think it started? What do you think happened? What's your sense of what's going on here? What would you need to feel more attracted to me?
0: I love that you're teasing that apart because immediately it becomes a physical thing. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: That's the assumption is that this is physical but throughout this conversation that you and I are having and in your book it attraction is about so many other things yeah and if we're unaware of that we can make it about the physical thing and I know this has been true for me in situations I've coached guys they're like yeah I mean she's cool but there's this I just can't get over this one part of her body And immediately, I'm like, it's not about that part of her body. Mm -mm. There's something else going on. And this this allows a focus a focus to if it's really this big of a deal, it's it's a a way to, like, hit the brakes. And a lot of times if we're able to kind of loosen that up and start to massage what's really going on there. It's like, well, yeah, I mean, she's got three kids and I can't do that. It's like, great. You can that's a yeah, that's a big concern you know, (laughs) like, or whatever the thing is, you know?
1: Yeah. I've heard many women say to me, wow. Like if he would actually touch me in a way that I felt him there and present, you know, and attuned with me, if I trusted that man, I would be way more attracted to him. Mm. So there is something again about those deeper layers of presence and connection and attunement and, and we're not taught you know we're very heady culture we're not taught that we have an energetic body also and that we can kind of slowly enter another person's energetic body right there are all kinds of things that that we're not taught and that that contribute to attraction fading yeah okay
0: beautiful lots more you got so much more in the book i hope everyone goes and checks it out thank you so much
1: yeah thank you
0: If these interviews are helping you, please leave a positive review on whatever podcast app you use so that others can discover the show more easily.